Hello, everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. You are listening to the Financials Edition, filmed today on June 6, 2016. Today's episode is a primer on individual retirement accounts. My name is Gabby LaPera, and joining me on Skype to talk about IRAs is Dan Kaplinger, Chief of our Personal Finance and Investment Planning Bureau. Thanks for joining me. How's it going, Dan? I'm doing good, Gabby. Thanks for having me on again. I am really excited to have you here. I'm sure our listeners will be too. Um, So just so you guys know, we are going to cover a fair amount of material today. Uh, Heads up for our listeners, we will be talking about what an IRA is, why you need one, the different types of IRAs, how to pick one, why you'd want to convert an IRA and how to do it, and then a blurb on 401ks. Now you can use your little 15-second skip button to get to the part that you're interested in, but I hope you listen to it all anyway because Dan and I are both fascinating creatures. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's start with this. IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account, and everyone should have one, right, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, what, I mean, since everyone should have one, can everyone have one? Well, no, actually. In order to have an IRA, whichever type you're talking about, either a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, the one thing that you have to have is earned income, and that means money that you get from a job or from a business that you run yourself. So you can't set up an IRA for your three-year-old kid. You can't contribute to an IRA if you've retired and you don't get any money from a, from a job. But in between, sky's pretty much the limit as far as being able to get that IRA set up for you. In terms of jobs, would that include like babysitting money or is it something that you need to have a tax return for? No, it includes anything that you do work in order to earn money. So babysitting, lawn work, anything like that is fair game. And it is not unheard of for parents to set up IRAs for their kids based on that money that they earn. Um, you know, just doing chores, you know, whether it's chores around the house or an outside business like a lawn care or a babysitting. That is fair game, and the IRS is totally fine with you setting up an IRA based on it. Yeah, and I know we probably sound a little bit like a broken record here at The Fool, but it is really important to start saving as early as possible for retirement. So if your kid is doing some kind of business as a 12-year-old or 15-year-old or however old they are, although you should check your state's labor laws to make sure that they are legally <laughs> working, um, you should maybe think about setting up an IRA for them. It's a huge gift that that really keeps on giving because, you know, every extra five years head start that you get, it makes such a huge difference. Even if it's a small amount of money that you're talking about, the power of compounding, if you can find an investment that provides a solid return year in and year out, getting an extra five, 10, 15 years under your belt by starting earlier than you otherwise would, that makes a huge amount of difference, really reduces the burden in the future of being, being able to save enough to get to where you want to be financially. So, um, people might be wondering if they, for whatever reason, have never heard of an IRA, what's the difference between an IRA and just a regular savings account? Like, why would you want an IRA versus, you know, just keeping your money in the bank? Well, basically, the biggest advantage that an IRA has is it's tax deferred, which means that as your investments earn income over the years, you don't have to pay tax on it. If you keep money in a regular savings account, in a regular brokerage account, then you're going to have to pay taxes on the interest, on the dividends, on the capital gains when you sell. You're going to have to do that over time. But with an IRA, you don't have to do that. Even if you generate income 
don't have to pay tax on it in the current year. Even if you sell something at a profit, you don't have to pay capital gains tax in that year. And really the trade-off, only trade-off there is that once money goes into the retirement account, it's a little bit more difficult to get it out before retirement. So the idea here is really to give yourself a long-term savings vehicle to let that power of tax deferral work to your advantage over the course of your career and make the most of that tax break that the IRS is willing to give you. Right. And I just want to stress that this isn't like some kind of loophole that we're telling you about. The government did this on purpose. Like they want you to save for your retirement, especially in an era where pensions are not a common thing anymore. That's why you get all these tax advantages on this account. Exactly right. Um, so uh, now that we know what an IRA is, <laughs> sorry, that's hard to say. I realize I read it all the time, but I don't say it very often. <laughs> now that we know what an IRA is and who can get one, um, are there different types of IRAs that we should be aware about? There are. There's a couple of different kinds of IRAs that are the most common that you're going to run into. One is called the traditional. The other is called the Roth. Now, the traditional has been around for a lot longer, and it's the IRA that most people are more familiar with. So, with a traditional IRA, you put money into the account. Most people will get an immediate tax break in the form of a deduction for how much they put in. So if they put in $1,000 into their uh, traditional IRA, then they'll get a $1,000 tax write-off off of their taxable income. That'll generate some tax savings right away. Now the Roth IRA is a little bit different. With a Roth IRA, you don't get a, an upfront deduction for the amount that you contribute. But unlike a traditional IRA, you get a big tax break down the line. With a Roth IRA, when you take money out of it in retirement, it's tax-free. With a traditional IRA, you have to pay taxes on those deferrals that you've been getting the benefit of for all those years and decades. IRS, at the end of the traditional IRA, finally decides, hey, they're going to get their share in the form of taxes. But with a Roth IRA, you don't have that. And so the question becomes, what's more valuable to you, that upfront tax break, or the bigger tax break down the, down the road. Right. And depending on where you are in your life, specifically how much money you're making, um, it can help you decide which one you should get, a Roth or a traditional. That's true. And really, you know, the thing to think about is you're going to take two things. You look at how much you'd have to pay in taxes now. And then you compare that with a guess as to how much you'd have to pay in taxes when you retire. And that's going to guide your decision. For most people who are younger, their earnings are a little bit lower, their tax bracket is pretty low. Generally, it makes sense to take advantage of the Roth IRA because even if you get that tax break, it might not be worth very much to you. It might not be worth anything to you, especially if you're in like that babysitting or that you know the mowing lawn situation. You're not going to be in a situation where that tax savings amounts to anything anyway. And so moving your money into a Roth IRA instead of a traditional IRA makes a lot more sense. Now, if you're in the middle of your career, you're in your high earning years, then it becomes a little bit trickier. And often, because if you're in the highest income period of your lifetime, it makes more sense to go traditional because that tax write-off that you get, it's worth the most because you're in the highest tax bracket, the tax savings for that write-off is the biggest that it's ever going to be. 
I really wish that you had been around when I was 18 when I opened my first IRA because when I opened my first IRA, I opened a traditional one because I asked the lady at the bank what kind of IRA I should get. And she said, oh, definitely a traditional. And I was like, oh, what's the difference? And she's like, oh, it's not important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm afraid it is important. It is important. But it it does go to, it speaks to the fact that there's a lot of confusion out there, even among financial professionals, as far as the ins and outs of the IRAs are concerned. And so it's really important for you to check out reputable sources of information to find out what you need to know to make a smart decision. Yes. Um, so if you could provide us with kind of a, so in biology, we have this thing called a dichotomous key, which helps you identify a species based on what characteristics you, you observe. Can you kind of provide a dichotomous key for in summation, how to decide which IRA is best for you? And they, you know, in general, when you're looking, you know, the first thing to look at is your income and to generate, figure out what your tax bracket is. Because in general, if you're in that low tax bracket, you know, if you're in like the 0%, obviously, but even like the 10% or 15% tax bracket, your taxes are never going to get any lower. So if you're in that situation, for whatever reason, it might be because you're young and you're just getting started. It might be because you've been temporarily unemployed or you've decided to take a break from work. But for whatever reason, if your income is in that situation, that's going to push you more towards the Roth IRA. If you're in a high income situation where you're up in the 28, 33, 35, 39% tax brackets, that's a situation where your taxes are likely, not necessarily for sure, but they're likely to be lower after you retire. And so it makes sense to go the traditional IRA route, grab that upfront deduction at the highest tax bracket possible now with the intent of later on, you'll pay tax when you take withdrawals out of that traditional IRA, but it'll be at a lower tax rate. And that should help you move forward to get because the the whole idea here is to end up with the most money at the end of the day. The IRS is going to get its share one way or the other. The question is when it gets it and your decision is to be as smart as possible and to give them the least that you can get away with. So I have a couple questions, follow-up questions. Can you yeah. have a Roth and traditional IRA at the same time and contribute to both of them at the same time? You can. Um, you the the annual limit on contributions applies to the total of all IRAs that you put in. So for 2016, if you're younger than age 50, you can put in a total of $5,500 into IRAs for the year. If you're 50 or older, you get an extra thousand. That brings it up to 6,500, and you can split that however you want. You could do half in a traditional and half in a Roth. You can do it all in a traditional. You can do it all in a Roth. Now, there is one caveat there, and that is that not everyone is allowed to contribute to a Roth IRA. If you have income above a certain amount, which is a six-figure amount, if I recall correctly, then you may not be allowed to contribute to a Roth for that year. And so the traditional will be your only choice going forward. I think that the figure is around 118000 I believe. I take your word for it, Gabby. That sounds about right. 
Um, so a quick break to ask y'all a question. Did you know that you can now convert your 401k directly into a Roth IRA? I didn't until Dan told me because that is just one of the things you can find on our full or sorry, our 401k.fool.com site. Um, which Dan helped write. It's a pretty great resource for retirement planning and answering questions about 401ks. So let's go back to the show. Um, remember, 18 year old me, I had uh, accidentally opened a traditional IRA. Now I have a Roth IRA with those same funds that I originally opened. And that was a whole heap of a mess, let me tell you, because I <laughs> opened my IRA right before Bank of America um, purchased Merrill Lynch. And Merrill oh. Lynch runs all of Bank of America's IRAs. And so my IRA fell into some kind of like weird dead zone where no one knew how to access it because it was on Bank of America's servers, but Merrill Lynch was supposed to be managing the IRA. So converting it was a nightmare. Um, but I did it eventually. And I wanted to convert because I realized that I would get tax benefits from a Roth. Are there any other reasons that you might want to convert between a Roth and a traditional or a traditional to a Roth? Well, there's there's one thing one thing to keep in mind that the conversion only goes one direction. So if you have a traditional IRA, you can convert it to a Roth, but in general, you can't go back from the Roth. There is a one-time do-over provision that you do have a limited amount of time to undo a Roth conversion. But in general, once you have the Roth, you're going to keep the Roth, and that's generally what you want to do because, again, as we talked about before. Once you've got that money in the Roth, everything it earns from here on out is tax-free. Tax-free is good. So you want to hang on to that as much as you can. Now, the deal with the conversion is that there's a couple situations where you'd want to do it. One is that if, you have, if you're in that situation we just talked about where your income is above that threshold amount, you're not allowed to make direct Roth contributions to a Roth IRA you still are allowed to convert a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. And so that can be sort of the end run that gets you into the Roth IRA that you would have chosen in the first place if you'd had that direct option. But instead, the IRS said, no, you don't have that direct option, but hey, here's this indirect way of getting your way into it. And that works a lot for people who want to get that diversification. They want both a traditional IRA type fund and a Roth IRA set aside, kind of hedge their bets, have both things available to them. So I have a question about that. If you yeah. if you roll a traditional IRA over into a Roth IRA, um, what are the tax consequences of that? When you do that, the amount that you convert, you're going to have to include that in your taxable income for the year in which you convert it. So if you did that conversion today, Gabby, you would take the money that you converted, and then when you file your 2016 tax return next April, that's when you would include that amount as taxable income on that return. Man, am I glad that I rolled it over when I did not have a lot of money and the government owed me. <laughs> that's right. That's the time to do it. And that's a good point, is that if you are in a situation where you have a temporary loss of income, you know, again, you know, whether it's because of voluntarily coming out of the workforce, whether it's a layoff or other sorts of unemployment, that can be a good time to think about, well, you know, if I convert now, I might not have to pay any income tax at all, might have to pay a very small amount of income tax. And that might be a price that you should be willing to pay in order to get years or even decades of tax-free growth 
from here on out between now and when you retire. So what I think you said you had a couple of other scenarios uh, for why you would want to convert. Yeah, the, the, in general, if you find yourself in a situation where you want to control what your taxable income is, then the Roth IRA can be a good way to do that. If you think forward, for instance, there are a lot of situations in retirement where a certain amount of taxable income is going to have implications for other things. For instance, if your taxable income in retirement is too high, then a portion of your Social Security benefits can end up being taxed. Now, what many people don't fully understand is with a traditional IRA, once you reach a certain age, it's age 70 and a half, the IRS forces you to start taking money out of your IRA, whether you want it or not, whether you need it or not. The IRS makes you start taking that money out. Because you're taking that money out of a traditional IRA, it is treated as taxable income in the year you withdraw it. And if that boosts your income above that threshold amount, it can have Social Security taxation implications as well. Now, coming back, well, so what does that have to do with a conversion? Well, if you convert to a Roth IRA earlier in your career, then when you're taking money out of that Roth IRA, first of all, there's no requirement that you take money out of the Roth IRA, but even if you do, it's not taxed and it isn't treated as taxable income for purposes of your social security benefits being taxable either. And so it's kind of an advanced warning system to get your taxes in retirement under control so that you can foresee and minimize your tax bill, not just now, but also when you retire. That's really interesting. I, I Another question just occurred to me. Is there a limit to how many traditional and Roth IRA accounts you can have? Can you have as many as you want, or can you only have like one of each? No, you can you can split them up however you want, and there you know it's it's the sort of thing that uh, you know you can have an IRA at a bank, you can have an IRA at a brokerage account, you can have an IRA with a mutual fund company, and there's no limit to the number of accounts that you have. Now, from a management standpoint, it's often a lot easier <laughs> if you limit yourself to just one or two of each kind. Because otherwise, it gets really unwieldy to figure out. Okay, well, I've got a thousand here and five hundred there, and you know, sometimes each account will charge you a separate fee, and then you're paying a bunch in fees that you don't really need to. But no, there's no technical requirement that says, oh, you can't have any more than X number of accounts. That's that's really up to you. So that you actually also bring up another point, which is um, another reason you might want to have your money in an IRA instead of a savings account, besides the tax benefits, is that you can use that money for something. Like you said, you could have it in a brokerage type account with your Roth IRA or traditional IRA and invest in stocks, or you can invest it in a mutual fund or an index fund, really, as opposed to a savings account where it can't do anything besides just sit. That's right. Just about any financial institution that offers, you know, a brokerage, a broker or a mutual fund company, they will be able to handle IRAs. They can set you up with a retirement account that'll let you get those tax benefits at the same time as giving you a lot of flexibility to invest in whatever it is that you want to invest in for growth. Right. And as we've also talked about on this show a million times, just beating a dead horse, investing in the stock market is one of the best ways to increase your money over the long run, instead of just 
relying on interest or bonds. Um, here's another question um, that is maybe a little bit morbid, but say you have an IRA and you kick the bucket. Does that have any? Is it is it difficult to pass that on to your um, children or whoever you're sending your inheritance to? Does it matter which type it is, or is it about the same? No, it's actually easier to get IRA money down to your loved ones after you pass away than it is in many cases with ordinary assets because you don't actually need a will or a trust or anything like that in order to do it. IRAs come with what's called beneficiary designation forms. and Basically, every financial institution, when you open up an IRA, you're going to see a sheet in all those papers that you have to sign. And it's going to say, who do you want your IRA to go to after you pass away? And there's going to be a bunch of choices. If you have a spouse, then there's going to be a special check the box for the spouse because spousal beneficiaries of an IRA have some special rights that non-spouses don't have. Specifically, if your spouse inherits your IRA, they can just take that money and put it into an account in their own name. They can treat it as they, the same way they treat their own IRA money that they save themselves. With a non-spouse, you can't do that. And so what you end up with is what's called an, an inherited IRA. There's some pretty complex rules about how long you can keep money in that inherited IRA, how fast you need to take it out. But in general, the, the mechanics of getting that money over to the person who, is the, who you want to inherit that money is very simple. It's just a matter of you fill out that form, you put their name and information on there, and then when you pass away, that heir can come into that financial institution and say, hey, you know, this person named me, to inherit this IRA and and then you know that person will have to sign the same forms that you signed to set it up and they'll they'll just treat it the way that they need to treat it going forward. Okay, one last question about IRAs. And this is actually about 401k um 401k's because I know that you can now have a Roth 401k and a traditional 401k. Is that correct? That's right. If your employer gives you the option, it's always with a 401k, it's always up to the employer. So not all 401ks have a Roth option with them. But if your employer has chosen it, then you have access to it. Right. And just so our listeners know, a 401k is a retirement account that's been set up by your employer. And they often um, provide matches. Your employer often matches the amount that you put in up to a certain amount. So if you have a 401k available to you, I strongly advise you to put money into it. Agreed. Um, So thank you very, very much for joining us. Do you have any last thoughts about IRAs or retirement or, I don't know, anything, caterpillars? Whatever, whatever you'd like to tell me about. <laughs> you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm not even going to try to struggle with a retirement-based caterpillar analogy, but uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes it does feel like your retirement savings just inches forward bit by bit. But um, even if you can just put aside just a little bit in an IRA, that tax break will be much more valuable than you can possibly imagine when you're young, and you'll just be ha- you'll be thanking your young self that you did things early on when it would do you the most good. Thank you very much. So, 
As usual, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Contact, contact us at industryfocus at fool.com or by tweeting us at mfindustryfocus if you have any questions. Apologies to the people who emailed me about the interest rate charts last week. I was out of the office, but you'll get those at some point today. Thank you to Austin Morgan, our master mixer behind the glass, and thank you to y'all for joining us. I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you.